We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Ah, yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of VMFC Group Stage Recap Edition, brother. Boss in the building, the holding defensive. It went quick. It definitely went quick. Yeah, the defensive midfielder. Group stages flew by. And then we got our left winger, the probably the best team of group stages, would you say? I know he's a little nervous over there, his Croatians. (laughs) I get nervous. Blown away. Of course it's nervous because last Euro Cup, they were the best team in the group stage and it didn't end so well. But I, I can't complain right now. I'm very jubilant. Uh, what's been happening the last two weeks, been blown away. Yeah, our, our buddy Allen, the, the left winger of VMFC, cutting it in on his right foot, though. <laughs> um, let's not forget, very Robin of him. But I got to say, um, one of my favorite moments of the World Cup, before we get into like all our you know takeaways and recaps, is you knew Allen was feeling it when he just went on a rant in like all Croatian. Like he was typing shit in like his own native tongue and he was just going off. <laughs> That's how you knew Allen was super excited. When I was devastated at that 3-0 loss to, uh, to Croatia for my adopted Argentinians. Yeah, in terms of that game, uh, just brief, briefly summarize it because I know it was like the besides Portugal-Spain, I think this was like the landmark game other than 
everything that's, that's gone on with Germany, which I'm sure we'll touch on soon. Yeah. But just from that game, you could just tell right away, okay, this Argentina team, there were concerns that they did not know what their best team was, the structure, uh, who's going to start alongside Messi. And I just think it all unfolded, especially in that second half. Because even when they went down, they only created one other chance in that game. Otherwise, Croatia completely ran them over that midfield that everyone's been praising. Because there were a lot of concern going to the tournament that Modric and Rakitic are kind of like the Croatian Lampard and Gerard, which mm. I never really agreed with because they've been playing on the national team for 10 years at this point. Euro 2008 was their first tournament together. And they've they've had a lot of memorable performances. But they've, of course, regressed a little bit. Uh, look at the around 2012, 2014 a little bit of struggle there, but it was the landmark performance. Everyone's away on both of them scored, which is wonderful. And they just, you could tell totally ran the show in terms of running after Messi. I just, I never seen Messi in a game have that few opportunities. I think he only had one shot because going to the Nigeria game, he had 12 shots in the tournament and 11 were against Iceland. So I think he only had one against Croatia and it was just unbelievable. And then Sepp Pauli was just freaking out on the sidelines. Like, oh, yeah. He, when he took right. off his jacket to get him fired up, they ended up scoring two more goals. Croatia yeah. was just funny. It was funny because I was driving. Nick was actually in the car, and he was watch- you were watching on the oh, phone. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yes. so, like, I didn't – I caught the highlights of, of the game itself, but I didn't get to watch, really, most of that game. But I felt like I watched it just through, like, Nick's reactions in the back seat. <laughs> you know, he'd be leaning forward almost, like, in the driver's seat when something good was happening for Argentina, and then he'd just, like, fall all the way back. Bro, how hyped did I get when they put in Dybala finally? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were saying the whole car ride too. He was, it was like the start. It was like the fiftieth minute. He's like, "Yo, I told my pops, Dybala's coming out in the seventieth minute. He's gonna score and he's gonna stick it to the whole like Argentinian federation for not playing him." And he's like, "Yo, he's coming out. It's like the seventy-fifth minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Minute. It, was, it was nuts. Like around the seventieth minute. Like, what was it already? Two it was two-zero, I think, by that point, or is it? Uh no, it was still one because Modric didn't score till the eighty-third minute. Which, in terms of goal reactions. Might be all time for me. It's either that or Perisic's winner against Spain in the last year. Was just in terms of me, it's losing my mind. I, I we'll get back to the moral risky because we're gonna do some stuff like we're gonna do biggest disappointment, biggest shock, best goal, and uh, like um, best player through the group stages. I know we didn't record after the second legs of uh, the second match day for each side, but uh, we do have a lot to cover. Most notably, though. For the fourth time in the last five World Cups, a defending champion has been sent to sleep, boss. First time ever for the German side not to make it out of the the group stage. Which is nuts because according to Vegas, they were of the top six coming into the World Cup. Germany, Spain, Brazil, France, and Argentina. Um, As far as the odds go, those six teams, they had the biggest margin for advancing. Like, if you were to bet them just to advance in the tournament, out the group stages, they were the biggest favorite. And they were also plus 800 to finish dead last in the group, which is what they did as well. That's insane. Especially when it was a favorable group. Like, a lot of people thought them and France had the more favorable draws. Especially when you look at just Mexico, kind of. They, like, they, I could... They had a good qualifying campaign, but with Mexico, there always was kind of like pessimism, and Sweden barely got through in South Korea, Asia side. Well, Sweden, you know, as I was watching the tournament, and they kept bringing up the fact that they're the reason why Italy's not in it, right? right. They played them in the in, in the, the, the playoff, playoff game. Uh, the Croatians beat the Dirty Lambs of Greece in the play-in game. Um, good times. Yeah, good times. I'm glad Greece wasn't in it. You know, F them. They can't. Legends. Anyway, let's not get sidetracked. Dude, Germany doesn't, doesn't advance out the group. 
boss reactions initial thoughts what what's what's happening so i'll start from the first day was when mexico played germany i was at softball and this guy i told i told the story last time the guy comes he's like yo it's one nothing i was like oh germany up early and he goes no mexico 35th like early one nothing mexico i was like that really puts a wrench in the plans because here what i was talking on the preview that mexico doesn't get past the the round of 16 and if mexico were to win the group which they were in the driver's seat to do with those three points against Germany, they could finish the top and, you know, have a favorable matchup possibly to get past that. So I'm like, all right, Germany, still in the mix. They're still heavy favorite, whatever, match round one. Probably the strongest team in the group aside from themselves. You know, you have Sweden and then South Korea. Like, all right, they can still manage six points there. They squeeze one out, I felt like, against Sweden. And then they're pretty much in winning in after watching what happened with Mexico, Mexico. and Sweden, right? So I watched that first half. Because, you know, the games are at the same time. Yeah. I watched the Mexico-Sweden game, and it was one nothing. So I turned on the Germany game. I'm like, all right, they just need one, and they're through. I hear, they're like, oh, live, uh, Sweden just got a penalty. So I turn that back on, and they, they convert the penalty. I'm like, all right, Germany's really going to, like, put one in. They're pushing, they're pushing. Hummels put, like, six headers, it felt yeah, like, over yeah. the net. And I was like, dude, I think, was it Gomez with the sitter? Who over, he just, like, swung Yeah, Gomez missed, missed and I'm a like, big one, too. Oh, my God. Like, that's going to be shown over and over again. And then... Lo and behold, nine minutes to stoppage time later, and I'm just like, damn, it's 2-0 South Korea. Like, what the hell happened here? And I just sat in my seat while the game was over, and I was like, what the f... This we wasn't the way this was supposed to happen. You witnessed the fall of the empire, because when it comes to consistency, the Germans are the first name that come up. Since 2006 World Cup, and then you have the 08 Euro Cup. Every Euros they've made to the semis. And World Cups, they've been at least to the semifinals. Yeah. They are literally the San Antonio Spurs, New England Patriots of world soccer. Mm -hmm. You just pencil them in for the Final Four. That's what we grew up knowing. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they didn't make it out is nuts. And, you know, you were texting in the uh, in the VM chat how this is an absolute disaster for, for them as, as a soccer power. Where do you think they go from here, though? Yeah, I'm not sure how Joachim Lokeid come back no way this. no way first of all there's a reason why these managers get cycled through right the the common term you hear is that they're on for one cycle so usa for example they hired jurgen klinsman after 2010 right it was 2010 i believe yeah because bob, uh, bradley bob bradley was bradley after and then he stayed on for 2014 usually you stay for one world cup run and you'll get your copa america if you're in the south america region you'll get your gold cup in Concacaf, and then you'll get your euro cup run Unless it's an utter disaster. But for the most part, these big name coaches, uh, sorry, these big name countries and powerhouse countries, you go through one cycle. And this guy's been on, even prior to him being the head manager, he was under Jurgen Klinsmann. He was the right hand man to him. Yeah. Right. He was around for. Exactly. He's been around forever. for. Yeah. Yeah. And there were some issues going to tour the whole Leroy Sonny saga, which, of course, is going to be a huge storyline. There were issues with uh, Ozil and Gundogan meeting with the Turkish president, and who's a crazy figure. And uh, Gundogan actually gave him a German jersey. It said, on, I think it was either a German jersey or actually a Turkish jersey. It said, my president on there. So there were a lot of backlash with there. Like the German fans, every time Ozil or Gundogan touched the ball in a friendly, they were booing them. Then you saw after the Mexico game, Mats Hummels who missed at least three very good chances against South yeah, Korea. Yeah. Missed the sitter. It was all, I think Ozil put a cross and he 
Missed oh, time to yeah. jump at him in the shoulder. Sh- yeah. Clear opportunity. And he was the most vocal after the Mexican game saying, how can we defend when it's just me and Boyetang in the back? And then Boyetang, look at him getting sent off against Sweden. Very fortunate not to get a red prior. Oh, yeah, on the penalty kick. Uh, yeah, on the breakaway because uh, Hummels was injured. So it was him and Rudiger. And they got sliced. So I think the biggest thing with Germany, it's not just their lack of creativity in the box or just not having that drive to score goals. It's just how disorganized they were in the back. All three games, teams had success countering against them. Mexico was like a free-for-all. Sweden should have had a penalty. And then you look what happened with South Korea. It's just I couldn't believe for a team that's known for being so well-drilled, so well-organized, well-oiled machine as they people yeah. like for just how dysfunctional they were. And there were rumors there were some clicks, like you have the Bayern click, then you have the younger click, you have the Turkish click. So th- there were reports coming there like, uh, after Mexico lost, they actually canceled all media. So they had like mm. a closed session that Monday. And even Oh, what a surprise. International teams with clicks. Who would have guessed? Yeah. Who would have yeah. guessed that's the case? And even when they beat Sweden, it was just, all right, they're, they're best case scenario, they're probably going to play Brazil. Brazil's going to light them up 4-5-1. Also factor in what happened the last time then two faced off in, in Brazil, that's 7-1. That's you also know that they were intriguing after that 1-0 loss to, to Mexico. I was like, yo, this could yeah, line yeah, up for Brazil to get redemption. Could you imagine if Neymar, Willian, Douglas Costa, Gabriel Jesus, Firmino, whoever, Coutinho, imagine them with all that space. They're oh, scoring 4-5. Yeah. So here's the thing, right? Like, I'm an Arsenal fan. I've seen Ozil the last couple of years. This guy is shot, right? Leroy Sané, and I know that's the name that everyone's going to bring up, but I brought him up, too, on the show from the beginning. It's like, dude, once again, sound like a broken record. He's one of the best players in the Premier League, and this guy gets left off the team. Played for a store club. Yeah, like, exactly. They broke record. Uh, yeah, 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 100, yeah, 100 points, right? And, dude, it just doesn't make sense that that guy gets left off the team. for like Even Mueller shot, right? Well, Werner, your boy, who you call, he called like as a dark horse. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, with Leipzig, a lot of his goals came off like counterattacks. That's the style that they play at RB's, uh, RB, RB Leipzig. Yeah. Leipzig. And like Mario Gomez, too, doesn't belong on this team. And it's just, you just look up and down the roster. It's an aging roster. Uh, I also think Cruz, if it wasn't for that goal against Sweden, would have been ripped apart even more because I didn't think he had a great tournament at all for his standards. Yeah. Coming off what he did with Real Madrid in, uh, in Champions League. I mean, him and Modric are holding him down in the middle. And it was always, the debate is always who, who's the better center midfielder? Is it Modric or is it Cruz? And if it wasn't for that free kick, which was a golasso, by the way, lackluster on his part. Absolutely. Other than Marco Royce, who scored the first goal for Germany in the tournament, and ironically, Julian Brandt, I'll give a little bit of credit. Off the he, bench, yeah. yeah. He played very well. So he's technically the guy they picked over Sane. Probably shouldn't do it. But that being said, Hit the post against Sweden, almost scored against Mexico. Like he actually had somewhat of an impact, and it's like, why didn't you start? Because Ulo made a lot of changes throughout the tournament. I think he made five changes for the South Korea match. Brought on Goretzka, this uh, midfielder going from Schalke, hit the Bayern. He's another guy who missed a very good chance. So it's just we talk about Germany being so cohesive. The fact that they had to make so many substitutions throughout this tournament was a very worrying sign. And like I mentioned before, just the back four looking shaky. Even Neuer. 
uh, no surprise, looked a bit rusty because this this was the first game he played since August. He's been mm. out for the whole season, and there was some debate maybe he should start Ter Stegen because Ter Stegen's come off a great season with Barcelona. So just between all that and just the fact that this was one of the more easier groups, it's not like they were playing. It's not like they had a really tough second or third seat because they could have been. They could have played like a Croatia. They could have played a Colombia, and then maybe can understand a little bit. But this group really, on paper, was for them and. I just I don't know where they go from here. Like I was thinking, who could replace them? Because I don't think any experienced manager wants to take this job. Just with the pressure and the egos, you don't know who's going to retire. Like I think you're going to have to look at a former, former player, player, yeah, a Philip Lom, a Michael Bach, Oliver Kahn, someone that's a big, powerful figure that commands respect. Because even though Lowe, I think he's still his resume has that respect. I just think things are broken now. Nah, he's not. I'll be very surprised if they retain his him. contract's from 2022. But it's still, it's like, how can you recover from this at this point? Yeah, and I was saying before the tournament, like Close was that guy that goal scoring touch all those years, and they were looking for someone to replace him. They put up two donuts in two games, aside from the Sweden game where they actually broke through. But it was just they couldn't find someone to tuck him, tuck him away up top, and that was the downfall. Also, the defending too obviously didn't help the counters, but. I think in that South Korea game was more so because they were just letting it all go forward. Yeah, they knew they, they had needed to. a goal. So yeah. if they were to give up one, they were they were asked out anyway. Yeah. So it didn't really make any difference. All right. So, you know, enough about the Germans. They've they've done their thing all these years and whatnot. But it, it is a big, uh, big shock that they're out. But let's dive into the biggest surprise. What's been the biggest surprise of the World Cup thus far? Uh, we'll start off with you, boss. What would you say is your biggest surprise? I just think Spain not looking... As down, or even just in general, like the heavy favorites, the big six that you rattled off earlier, Brazil, Spain, uh, Argentina, all those top teams just not looking like a nine point, you know, putting together a nine point effort. Um, I don't know. That, that's my biggest surprise. France, another team that didn't put together a nine point effort. Croatia and Uruguay, I think, were the only teams to put forth those efforts. So And Belgium. And Belgium, Belgium that's well, right. Today, yeah. Belgium put it to England. That was a nice goal also, by the way. Cut it to the left. Woke Nick up. I was yeah, like, yeah. Yo. Boss was like, ooh, Golasso. Yeah, I was like, oh. You see this Golasso. Um, but yeah, just, you know, going into the, the round of 16, it's just so wide open to me. So that's a surprise to me. I thought we'd have more established teams like Croatia who ease through the, the group stage. So, yeah. Alan, what about you? What's your biggest shock? Is it uh, is it your boys? No, I expect them to win the group, but I expect nine points. So I'm going to lay off Croatia for a bit. I before yesterday, it was going to be Mexico because I've been blown away with Mexico, but I'm going to have to go to the team to beat them. Sweden, I did not expect that because Sweden, as great as the story is, they don't have a, they're not star stud. In a way, they're kind of like Iceland. They play an old school 4-4-2, which you don't see a lot of teams playing with these days. They're well-drilled, well-organized. I think their best player, Mil Forsberg, plays for Leipzig. Other than that, you could kind of compare with Iceland with the Guffy Sigurdsson. But there's just this rugged side, and they will just make you work for everything. We saw in the playoff against Italy, like you mentioned before, but as good as they are, they're limited. Like against Italy, they won on deflection, hit Daniel De Rossi on a, like a long distance shot. And now, I, like, I didn't think they dominated Mexico, but they took their chances and they caught Mexico off guard. They capitalized yeah. on their opportunities. And you look, like I said, you look at the squad, it's, there's not a lot of talent yeah. there. And the fact that they're doing this, they got a decent chance, good draw with Switzerland. You gotta give it up to them, man. Because I don't know many people that really. That, a lot of people thought, okay, Sweden, they're just here. 
maybe they'll bring Zlatan. You got to give the manager credit. Big Cole not bringing Zlatan. They look better because Sweden's a team that needs everyone to defend. And you know Zlatan's not going to defend. He's just going to wait for the ball and he's going to do his thing. So the fact that they got everyone together and they're on the right side of the bracket, if you want to look, we'll look into that later. But yeah, Sweden, much good as them, especially being a Mexico team that was really riding high. And they finished first in the group, you said, right? Yeah. Yeah. So now, I mean, look, looking ahead, round the 16, they play Switzerland. Mm -hmm. Shit, they would sign up for that without a doubt. You're looking for ball. I mean, look, Switzerland, on the other hand, that should be Germany. So they're playing a team that they didn't expect to play as well. So that's a good draw for both sides. Yo, my biggest surprise is, I don't know about you guys, but I've been a fan of VAR. I think it's been great. I think there's been a lot of decisions that wouldn't have been called. And then the other way around, too. Some decisions that were called that shouldn't have been. Yeah. And then you know some decisions that weren't that got called, and I, I think it's been I think it's been good, and I think it's been needed too. I think the only outrageous one I thought the Iran penalty against Portugal. I didn't think that was a handball on uh, I think it was Cedric Soares when Iran got the penalty. And I, admit, I thought that was a very harsh. Yeah, I think that's the only one. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. yeah, but besides that, I mean, look, if you're talking about they they've converted on like ninety five percent, boss. If we could hit ninety five percent of our bets. Yes. We'd be... We wouldn't be here. We Yeah, we'd be living on yachts. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like we saw this morning with uh, Columbia Senegal, Davidson Sanchez, star center back on Tottenham, had a great tackle. That initially, they called it a penalty. I think yeah. it was on Sadio yes, Mane. Yes. They and came he, back. Yeah, because they clearly they got that. the ball. So, VAR, it's been a pleasant surprise. I still think there's times where it takes way too long. It ruins the flow of the game, but it's a process. Unfortunately, it has to be on the biggest stage, but uh, I agree, though. I think it's definitely a positive step in the right direction yeah it definitely sparked like a ton of discussion like this like just stuff that you don't it's not accustomed to football so it's like it's something new mm. and it's something that affects the outcomes of games like giving away penalty not giving away but getting the call right and awarding a penalty whereas taking away a penalty just that high and that you know that ridiculous low after whoever calls not going your way it's like it's a game changer so yeah var is definitely having a huge impact on this tournament Dude, the, uh, I believe they were playing Costa Rica. Neymar falls in the box. Oh, that's a good one, yeah. And I was like, come on, man. I'm watching the game with my pops. And I'm like, yo, enough. They're called, And then they called it a penalty. I'm like, stop. You have to be kidding. Yeah. And then they went back. They looked at it, and they overturned it. And I was like, yeah, that was a clear flop. So I, I'm, I've been a big fan of it. I like it. That Neymar move reminded me of old school Shawn Michaels. Just the way he theatrically just threw himself. It was Ooh, like a I, was Shawn Michaels. A, I was thinking a little Eddie Guerrero where he used to throw <laughs> you the chair and then the referee would turn around and then he just flopped. Neymar, I was super slow. We were just like, God, yeah, I couldn't yeah, believe yeah. it. I, I was blown away that the referee even got caught by that. But yeah, I, I think that VAR, Video Assistant Replay, has been tremendous. And I'm looking forward to seeing if any of the leagues are going to adapt it going forward and the Champions League and all that. So it's going to be fun. Uh, let's go over to biggest, uh, shock. Oh no, that was no surprise. Uh, yeah. yeah. So same thing. Let's go disappointment. disappointment. Yeah. So we, we obviously all felt the same way about Germany. That's why we dedicated the opening to Germany. Uh, Alan, what's been your biggest disappointment from what you've seen? Or could be a player, could be managerial decisions. What, what is it? Some may view this as harsh, but I think France has been a major disappointment three goals and three matches some of the germany very favorable group you saw when the draw came out like okay france they should coast through this they should put on a couple of highlight reel performances and given the talent they have to only have three goals one very controversial penalty against australia a deflected pogba shot the only goal that was at least well 
put together was the one against Peru when Mbappe slotted. But just given the talent they have, it's been very underwhelming. Like that Denmark match is the only 0-0 so far. And people are saying it was like one of the worst matches. They were just coasting. And you look at the talent. I know France made some changes, but Griezmann still played. Giroud, Dembele, Lamar. And you expect these players to, especially in case of Dembele, Lamar, to at least show themselves because possibly they could start in the next round. Who knows what Deschamps can do? Because as I've talked about before, Deschamps never knows his team. He just goes with whoever players are in form. So just the fact that France, only three goals, it's been disappointing. And I do want to mention, I, I didn't pick them to make it out of the group stage, but I do think Poland was very disappointing because they were technically the first pot in the draw. Yeah, they were. So they were like ahead of Colombia. And for them to be out after two matches, never looked organized. They just were switching formations around and they just got completely outplayed in both against Senegal and uh, Colombia. And a lot of their players are over 32, so I think there's... Yeah, they had concern. they had one of the oldest rosters at the World Cup. That was my biggest disappointment. Them finishing dead last in the oh. group and like Lewandowski not even contributing at all. At all, yeah. This dude. tournament, I was like blown away. I know when we broke it down, we were like Nick was all fired up. Like, yo, this group is wide open. It's a group of death. But I didn't see Poland finishing on the bottom of this group. That's for sure. So yeah, they're my biggest disappointment. Aside yeah. from Germany, I kept I kept talking about that group being the one where I could legit see any of the four teams going through. I'll be honest with you, I thought Poland would be the one that would advance in this group. And I thought maybe there'd be a Senegal or a Japan, you know. Uh, um, my biggest disappointment, man, you know, you mentioned Deschamps. How fitting is it that France is playing Argentina, Jorge Sampaoli? I mean, dude, listen, I get it that there's a rift between Messi and Dybala. Uh, they can't play together, whatever it is. Messi has his guys. He's the one calling for substitutions. He's calling for Kun Aguero to check into the game and whatnot. <laughs> I get that stuff. But look, it goes back to the Houston Rockets theory. People that were skeptical about Chris Paul joining the Rockets because they had James Harden. And, oh, my God, who's going to be bringing up the ball? Who's going to be bringing the ball up the court? Who's going to be orchestrating the offense and whatnot? It's like, dude, listen, you guys are both great players. Figure it out. And I think that... Dybala shouldn't be on the bench. Yo, this dude is a top 25 talent in the world. He plays on one of the best teams in Europe. He's a huge reason for their success. And Fox even did a, a feature presentation on him as one of the top players in the tournament. And he's played, what, 30 minutes he played against you guys Pretty in Croatia? Sure, yeah. And it's like, yo, figure it out. And this guy just... Caballero was... A disaster. We kind of called that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We were saying salute. How, hey, appreciate that bitch with the volley. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just like just dumb, dumb stuff. You know, like I think the the guy Meza. I think I'm I'm not been a fan of his. I've been outspoken about people shitting on the MLS. Mascherano plays over in China. Like if you washed. go, if you go to and, and granted, look, he played a lot better in the game against Nigeria. I'll give him that. See the penalty, though. but he conceded the yeah. penalty. And up until like that second half, he was one of the main reasons why they're in this hole. And Mascherano, for all you people that shit on the MLS, like yo, if you take your talents and go to China or Saudi Arabia to go play or Qatar, go play for one of these countries that are going to give you fifty million euros a season yeah. and whatnot. Like, my bad, dude. You're not playing international for me. You're not. Like, you look washed. And I just think that this guy needs to figure it out. It's funny. Once again, you said that the two most legendary managers in the bad sense of the term legendary <laughs> are now playing each other in the round of 16. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest issues with Sampali is that they did, uh, I think, just basic research on him. 
has not stuck with the same formation or lineup in any of the games. So he's been the manager, I believe, since August or September. Because remember, he, I think he coached the last four qualifiers. Yes. And, they, and he only won one of them, and that was the messy performance against Ecuador. Yeah. So the fact that he just hasn't stuck with the same formation or lineup, you could tell does uh, the player Enzo Perez, who ironically missed an open net against Croatia. Oh, the one boy, shit. yeah. But he was not even on the roster. Len, uh, Manuel Lanzini, star midfield for West Ham, got, got injured, hurt. and he came in. How are you going to start a player in your most difficult game, Croatia, after not calling him up t- 10, 14 days ago, wherever it was? It's just bizarre. And look, at least he brought, he took Calerbo out. Uh, he brought Rojo back. Rojo actually didn't start against Croatia, yeah, and he yeah. ends up now being the hero against Nigeria. It's just, I don't know. Going to this tournament, you see teams, for the most part, they're going to succeed because they have a pure starting 11, or they'll have two two or three other key players off the bench you could slot them in. Argentina, that's like 18 different players that could play, and it's just... The, oh, goalie, the goalie who, Caballero, was, I think I read somewhere, wasn't even going to be on the roster if it wasn't for Romero getting hurt. And then Armani was the goalie that everyone really wanted to play because, look, let's face it, Romero plays on Man U. He wasn't getting the time because of David De Gea. He's probably the best goalie in the world, who also has been kind of a disappointment. He hasn't really looked like the best goalie He's in the world. only made one save in the World Cup. Yeah, it's it's nuts. But um, going back to that, this guy, Kid Armani, plays on River Plate, one of the best teams in Argentina. And, and also you get the factor of, the Argentinian media actually getting to see this dude all the time. They want him to start. They make the change. Yeah, he came up with two big saves against Nigeria. But yeah, dude, this the, the, this manager is just a legend. Just takes off his jacket. And then and, and there was genuine optimism about him because he did very well with Chile. They won the Copa with him, I believe. Twice. Yeah, and he was the manager of Sevilla, and they were the first team to beat Real Madrid. When Real Madrid was on a 40-game on beating streak, his Sevilla team beat Zidane's team. Yeah. I think this was 2016-2017 season. So, like, they really thought Sao Paulo was going to come in and bring Sadiq to this team. Like, that's what they're talking about. Oh, even though, like, when they were doing the World Cup previously, like, oh, even though Croatia on paper looks much better Argentina, they thought, oh, the Sao Paulo effect is going to bring Argentina. It just made them more dysfunctional. Yeah. So, I, I agree with the Argentina being a disappointment. It's got to put it up there. Yo, it looks like Messi. I mean, Messi and him look like LeBron and Ty Lue at times. Yo, that's great. That's what it looks like. Like, mm-hmm. yo, Shabrion Kunaguero, like, bro. Messi can play. Like, he can. Player manager is impossible, especially at that level. Like, what are you doing? If I was Messi, I would have cursed him out. I'm sure he has. Like, yo, dickhead, figure it out. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he has, for sure. Did you give uh, Did you give yours yet? It's a Poland, right? Yeah, Poland. Poland. Well, all right. I'm I out. thought you were going to say uh, the Senegal-Japan controversy as your biggest disappointment. Oh, I mean, dude, first of all, for those of you guys that might have not known, after po- so first, first obvious, is, it's points. If you have the same points, then it goes to goal differential. And then right. after that, it's fair play. I never knew about no, it. No, it's goal differential, goals, I think, head-to-head, and then... I some it, I don't know if it's that exact order because you have to look at goals. You have to also look at head to head. Remember, Japan Senegal tied. Tied. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You're right. And they had the same amount of goals at four. Yeah. And, and then the, same, the yeah. I think the so there's two more tiebreakers after. It's fair play. Yeah. How many cards you get? Which boss? I know you were pretty heated about because you said how like dude, that's all subjected to the the referee. So it's all a judgment that's the ref's discretion. Like, yeah. So what to give a card? When to not give a card? And then from there, if if those were even. They go to a lot, which I don't think any of us are even sure what that means. Like, picking out of the hat. <laughs> Yo, could you imagine? 
Could you imagine if like Japan and Senegal, the, the, if, the presidents of the federation, went into like a back room and they're like, "Yo, we're gonna pick out of a hat," and like that's how you decide who advance? If if the country I was rooting for, World Cup destiny, depended on that, I'd be I'd be furious. Even if they won the pick out of the hat, that's just so that's irrational. How can you decide something like that? I have an idea. Do you think it would be possible for it to work if, say? Red cards, yellow cards, those end up being a tie. And like the last tiebreaker is you have to pick out a bat. What if you move it to the next day, just a penalty kick shootout? Yeah, that's why I was thinking about today. It's just, especially with these big countries, the host nations, they're so huge. You don't know where they're coming from and whatnot. Yeah, so that would be tough. Because this is is so absurd what's happened. Because to have all these different tires between Japan and Senegal, they're so identical. So I think... I don't see anything like this happening ever again. I, I you hope they're more prepared in the future, but it's just these big countries. Like, how can you expect them to travel? I feel like you could definitely see a FIFA meeting when them saying like, "Yo, what happens if their head to head is the same and then they've scored the same amount of goals?" Like, ah, let's just go to yellow cards. Like that'll never happen. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. you had two instances because also Belgium and Belgium and um, England? England were in the similar situation where England was technically ahead in the group prior to today's game because they had one less yellow card than belgium maybe one solution this might be a little controversial look ahead to head with the team that came in first place and now i know that would favor japan but at least it's like on competition based mm. right. who beat the best team in that group if you're trying to slide between second and third i like the penalty shootout idea it's know? a great idea but i don't know if it's actually realistic so, so I, I don't know if it's realistic either but they play at the same time, so I. I so you pl- so, so here's my thinking, right? You play at the same time. You're also not going to play for another five days because I think that they're the last group. They're so the they're last group. Last. So even if they're the first group, they're still not going to play for another five right. days. And you just have it where you just go. You can air it, and you just do penalty. The guys aren't going to be tired. Sure, you'll do your warm up, but you just do penalty kick shootout. I was going to say them being in the last group would have been perfect for this because there's day off on Friday, so there's nothing going on between Friday and Saturday between the. Obviously, they off in the round of 16 starting. So what better way to draw attention to the World Cup? Well, J- Japan plays Monday, like- so I think the winner will play Monday. So not a lot of time, but it's a penalty shoot, right? But it's just location-wise. Yeah, it's not, so yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know how it'll work, but I think you're that or for first place, like best competition. Yeah, how yeah. you did it, how you how you fared against the... That yellow card, that's that's a terrible rule, though. In my opinion. It's the ref's discretion of... You know, it could be a hard foul, could not be a hard foul, but or, or someone dives. You you still see dives that aren't even right in the middle of the field. It could be a, a foul that doesn't go to VAR necessarily because it's you know it's not yeah VAR, in the box the, VAR for the most part for they red card, yeah. but you know it could it could still be given a yellow card for like just his being at his fifth foul of the game. You know what I'm saying? So I I don't know. I just think it's terrible. And they were running through the the Senegal. On Fox, the the Senegal yellow cards through the through they the got two right. yellow cards in stoppage time against Japan, and both were like, dude, you could definitely just let those go. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah, look, it, it, it's gonna be interesting to see. They had two scenarios where this might have been a factor with the card situation. Let's see what FIFA does about it going forward. All right, let's brighten up the mood a little bit. Who has been the Golden Ball winner thus far through three games? I'm gonna lead this one off. Going with the guy who transferred over to Barcelona from Liverpool. I'm going with Coutinho. Great pick. I think Coutinho, through the first three games, has been the Robin, sometimes even the Batman to Neymar's Robin or Batman, depending on what part of the game you're watching. 
I think he's been the guy that Neymar has needed to step up and take some of the um, weight off his shoulders. He scored in the first two games. Uh, I believe he didn't score against Serbia. Had a fantastic assist of Paulinho. Yeah, and <laughs> that ball. exactly. Paulinho's one great highlight of the World Cup, probably for the most part. Um, but yeah, dude, Coutinho he scored a golasso in that first game against um, Switzerland too. Well, he technically scored the winner against Costa Rica. I know they won two nothing, but yeah, he scored he the scored first the goal first in the right place, minute, yeah. right time. And yeah, dude, I think he's he's impressed the hell out of me. And it made me wonder, like, yeah, well, what would have happened if he would have been with Liverpool, right? Could you imagine that offense? Now, granted, you would have to factor in, you know, was Salah going to be as good? Was Mane going to be as good with the ball being on his foot too? Yeah. But Dude, he's a world-class player, and he's showing it right now that there's a reason why Barcelona broke the bank to go and bring him over. And what's great with Coutinho is I think, I want to say people forgot about him, but the last six months, he's been a little on the radar because he couldn't play in Champions League because of the transfer, and Barcelona wrapped up the league in February. So, so it's exactly. not like And he been, was a little hurt, too. Right. So, yeah, he, he's been kind of quiet for six to eight months. Who you got as uh, your Golden Ball winner so far? It's You guys are probably going to hate on it, but... Given the competition, Harry Kane. Ooh. All right. Hat trick against Panama and two against Tunisia. He sat today because, I don't know, they, they had a lot of lineup uh, changes, both sides, Belgium and England, because I felt like they were both through. They both knew that, obviously, so they don't want to give away, you know, any tactics or anything going forward. But Harry Kane looked dominant, you know, in his first two games against Tunisia, granted, against Tunisia and Panama. So I'm going with him. That's an interesting pick. Yeah. But hey, look, yo, take care of business. Five goals is still five goals. That's they impressive. also, like we said with Nick, the group draw, it might have been in their favor. Granted, they play Colombia next, but going forward, you look at that right side of the bracket, you kind of feel a little better about a, ch- a chance at a possible deep run than being on the left side of the bracket where Belgium is. Yeah. Granted, they also got Japan. That's their reward for finishing top in the group. But geez, it's like murderer's row after that Japan game. So, oh, yeah. There were four players I considered. Harry Kane definitely wasn't one of them. Sorry, just competition wise. I know competition wise. I just I can't rate it at this point. Cristiano and Isco I deserve major Isco, consideration. Isco was a monster. But for me, it comes down to Coutinho and Modric, and just how he's affected the game. I'm gonna go with Modric, just because you look at what happened against Argentina and Nigeria. So he's won man of the match in two out of three games he's played in, and just. Against Nigeria, he played a little bit more defensive role, and he held that down. And then against Argentina, he played more in number 10 because they wanted to have Rakitic. They also brought Brozovic, who plays for Inter Milan, in, uh, to at least be more of that holding midfield because Croatia doesn't quite have that because they have all ball-playing midfielders. And just between Modric scoring two goals already, not known for really scoring, and just for him to do that, and then creating chances as well. It's just he's been this huge figure, and it's this is his first tournament as the captain of Croatia. Dario Serna was the captain for almost like eight years. So for him to take that responsibility and just show up on the World Series. He was very good in the Euros, but then he got injured, and then the whole Portugal game happened, and people kind of forgot him. But for him now to at least have these three games and to show himself on the World Stage, it's been phenomenal to watch, and who knows what's coming next. If things go right, he'll be playing in Spain, a lot of his teammates. I'm going to piggyback off that with this next uh, category that we have for best goal. I think the best goal of the tournament was the Modric's goal against Argentina. If you factor in, first of all, it was a great goal, mm-hmm. right? You watch that instant replay where the ball is literally nowhere on target and then just bends in right off the... Did it hit the post? I think it nipped no, the post. I don't think it hit the post. Wow, that's even yeah. more impressive. <laughs> but you factor in that that goal locked down the game, right? That made it 2-0. 
that made you wonder, oh, my God, is Messi going to get sent home packing? Is this his last tournament? Mm -hmm. Argentina, a powerhouse team, one of the favorites, top six favorites, they're probably going to go home. They locked in the first seed with that win. You factor all those things in. I thought that was the most significant and most important goal, and it was also a golazo, too. Got to settle, a little hezzy, (laughs) bam, right foot. RB and B on the buttons, boss. You know Bend it right in. So I that that's my pick for uh, goal of the tournament so far, boss. What, what would you say yours is? The Quaresma goal against Iran. Bro, coming from the right side and then outside of the foot, upper ninety back post. There's something about it outside of the foot. You know, hook it back in. I don't know. It gets me every time. I like the, it's similar to the Nacho goal. Yeah, you know what I'm saying so that against Portugal. So those two. Are like hand in hand for goal of the the you know the group stage for me. You know it's crazy. The day before Falcao scored with outside his boot, but that was kind of like a one on one with the goalie. But it was still so beautiful watching. It was a big moment for Falcao, first World Cup, and then next day Karezma just <laughs> takes it to another level. That's up there with me. I'm still going Nacho, but Karezma's up there. I still think the Cherishev one against Saudi Arabia gets forgotten about because it was a game was over and it was like the ninth minute. But that was such a that left shot. Oh yeah, I Russia. still love that one. And I think one that people forget about: Dries Mertens against Panama. The first goal against oh, Panama, that yeah. volley, yeah. just a ridiculous angle and just the technique to hit it within the air. Just that was fantastic. But for me, it's still Nacho. Just that, oh my God, the power he got. And the fact that he is a center back. He's not really a right back. He just played right back because Spain wanted to have him there because Ronaldo was attacking for that wig. So, yeah, but it's been very competitive. And I, Tony Cruz deserves a little respect. Let's give him a. Cruz, Germany, Cruz you'll get your two, one little. Yeah, <laughs> Cruz too. Also, Coutinho's goal against Switzerland was oh, yeah. a Golasso too. And, yo, man, the Ronaldo free kick against Spain was pretty far also. It was. That shit was super horny. Two goals, two goals of the group stage from the same game. Yeah, Nacho and Ronaldo free kick. Yeah, so that that was fun. That was fun with the group stages. All right, so before we we're gonna play a little game before we get into a game by game breakdown, run through the uh, round of sixteen uh, games going on in the World Cup. So I came up with this idea. I ran it by the guys. They got pretty excited about it. So what we're gonna do is this: we came up with a consensus top eight. Right? We we discussed this before we met up. Of the 16 remaining teams, these are our top eight. Feel free to uh, hate on us on Twitter and tell us that we're wrong. (laughs) Uh, Brazil, Spain, France, Belgium, Croatia, Uruguay, Portugal, England. This is what we've seen in the group stages. All right. What we're going to do now for Argentina, Denmark, Switzerland, Sweden, Mexico, Russia, Japan, and Colombia. For those eight teams... I'm giving everyone, including myself, we're allowed to pick one player who is going home. One player from a team who has been sent home. Their team is not advancing out of the group. They're allowed to stay in Russia, and we're plugging them into one of these eight teams. Once again, the teams are Argentina, Denmark, Switzerland, Sweden, Mexico, Russia, Japan, and Colombia. I'm going to go first, lead this off, since I introduced it. I'm telling Tony Cruz not to get on the plane. Stay back. All right. I know you were kind of lackluster, but I think Argentina could use you. I'm just finished shitting on Mascherano. I think he's shot. I think what Messi needs is that holding midfielder behind him to bring the ball up to him. Because one of the issues that I've noticed with Argentina is Messi's tracking way too far back just to get the ball on his feet. Saw a lot against Croatia. and Especially against Croatia. But I think with Croatia, they played him well because they also knew him very well between Rakitic Kovacic yeah. and Modric, you know, Rakitic plays with him. 
the other two play about three, four times a year right, for the, right. like the last four or five years. So they're very familiar with him. And also he's messy. Everyone knows about him. They played him very well. But even so, like this guy's going behind the circle on his end just to get the ball past the half. It's like, dude, this guy is getting burnt out. Like you want him up top. So I'm putting Tony Cruz on Argentina. Have him be the spine of that midfield, bringing the ball up and being the mastermind behind Messi and letting him flourish. I'm going to go with Mo Salah. Mm. We only saw two games, and he was involved in a lot of political stuff came out. Did you guys see that? Yeah. So Off the field about the – I think he's the president of Egypt. Yeah, and there's some heat with the president of Egypt. Yeah, that he has, he's not a good – Guy from yeah. the people. And uh, Salah was like taking pictures with him or something. And then he got backlash. And then he came out and said prior to the game against Saudi Arabia, he's like, no, I might be retiring. Yeah. From the Quick summary. I don't think they liked how uh, the Egypt training camp, they invited like 100 politicians, celebrities. They basically turned the Egypt training camp to prepare for a World Cup into like a celebrity event. Yeah. And Salah was taking pictures. It's like, we got a World Cup. Let's focus. It's the easiest. That was group. the thing. So I was like, yo, I just took a picture with him. It was never anything serious. And people took that as, yo, Salah's like supports and whatever. Anyway, I put him on Colombia, given Colombia lost James today. Yeah. Which, and they're saying it might be for the rest of the tournament and maybe longer going forward. So it'd be interesting to stick most of lot there and give them like a big three, like Liverpool had with Quadrado outside, Falcao up top, and then. Just Salah. Salah floating. So. Yo, I like that a lot, man. And, you know, it's very unfortunate, dude, because... So, Hamas didn't play in game one, gets subbed on, right? And then starts against Poland and looked like the Hamas that everyone fell in love with four years ago. Dude dominated. He's doing the, the back touches and nutmegging people and you get the, the ole, ole. The, how do you guys feel about the ole, ole when they do that with Bro, every ole. pass? That's... It's that, dope. When that's it's when you know you're free. Yeah, exactly. You're freestyling somebody. <laughs> but you know that it's dope when it's in your team's favor. Yeah. When it's going against your team, you you're sick to your stomach. Yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. like Hamas is like doing his thing, and Colombia looked great mm-hmm. against Poland. Oh yeah. And you know this guy gets subbed off. Like, and that around. was a game to save their tournament lives. Like both teams, like we said, the two fi- possible favorites of that group had yeah. zero points. Yeah, yeah, because Japan and Senegal off tied in a that crucial match. Yeah. yeah. So and and Colombia wins. They come off a three. They come off the field with three points. Three nothing win against Poland. And you're saying, yo, man, this is the Colombia team that we expected. Because don't forget, their guy also got a red card three minutes into the game. Right. They played against the Japan penalty. with ten with ten men for ninety five percent of the game. And then he gets hurt in this one. They lucked. At, they lucked out, sure. But look, you, you lose your best player come knockout stages. That's a big blow. I know we didn't have a legend, a legend award, but if there was a legend, I would say it'd be Carlos Sanchez. Like third minute of game, you deliberately do a handball. First stage, like you're playing Japan, you're the favorites. Just take the goal. Yeah. That one nothing. You got 87 more minutes. You could score two. You're Colombia. My so. dad was not too happy as someone who uh, made an investment on Colombia in that game against Japan. My dad was not too thrilled with that. Uh, with that. With that thing. He, he said the same thing you did. He's like, dude, it's the third minute of the game. Let it go yeah. in. Whatever. Yeah. What so, you do there is you get a red card and they then they score anyway. Yeah. They were gonna score anyway. Just let right. them score. Don't hurt the team even more. Yeah, it's a double whammy at that point. And it pretty much kills all your comeback efforts going forward. Oh, a thousand percent. You can't play with 10 men. It's not like Luis Suarez against Ghana, 2010 World Cup quarter final. That's different. That was yeah, also that like was the 120th a- minute of extra <laughs> time and shit. There, I'm doing the same shit too. Yeah, yeah. whatever happens. You know, it's a crapshoot. Uh, Alan, who are you telling not to get on the plane? So one of the themes of this World Cup, you've seen a lot of teams, like a lot of potentially, they go like a Morocco or even Peru. As talented as they were, they 
put on some throwing performances, they didn't have that striker that could score. Like, I think Peru had 27 shots before being Australia without scoring. Peru didn't play Guerrero that first game, too. Like, and I think really that killed awesome. them. Dude, of all the teams that got left out, that was the team I was the most impressed with. Mm-hmm. I didn't know Peru was that good. Mm-hmm. That guy at Vincula, oh, my God. Dude's a monster. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, Carrillo, too, scored a golazo. But Guerrero, too. Guerrero came in in the 65th minute of the opening game. Gets that mark. And it changed the entire spirit of the team. Like, how do you not play that guy from the beginning? I think because he was 34 and he's been suspended for a while. So, they worry about his match fitness. But they're definitely regretting that. Yeah. But there's other teams. There's like Iran or Morocco. Two teams I thought played very well in a very tough group that could have used that striker. So, you look at what's... The rest of the teams that we didn't mention going to knockout stage. You look at Robert Lewandowski. I know he's come off underwhelming tournament. There's a lot of issues with him and Bayern, but he's still one of the top five center forwards in the world. And there are a bunch of teams that could take him. You look at a team like Switzerland, very good draw with Sweden. Uh, Tie Brazil, it was a gritty effort, but they made it work. The one that crazy game against Serbia, you want to talk about government things. Shakiri doing it for Kosovo. Yeah. <laughs> Ed Shaka as well. So Switzerland, I know they're somewhat of a dull team, but that wouldn't get Serbia. I think excited some people about Switzerland because think about Switzerland, like their squad doesn't look all that great, but they know always how to overachieve. They make it at a knockout stage, like now three straight tournaments. So I think if they had someone like Lewandowski, they could possibly even make a run to the semis. I know it sounds crazy, but England and Colombia, those are either opponent. I think they could beat. So you put Lewandowski on that team, who knows? I mean, yeah, dude, you put a world-class player on, on a team like that, mm-hmm. it's going to... Even the attention that he draws just frees up shit for everybody else, and that's the same shit with all the guys. Well, mostly your two players, because you guys are more offensive-minded mm-hmm. in Salah and Lewandowski. Yeah. So, all right, let's get into the, the nitty-gritty. The round is 16. Uh, Allen over there has the bracket. Allen, you just rattle off the matchups and, you know, mention a matchup, and then we'll just uh, discuss it briefly and whatnot. So, first game, Saturday morning. Oh, boy. As Nick would classify this, this is bar fight territory. European. I'm glad this Ooh, is No, Saturday. this is a worldwide bar fight. <laughs> South American versus European bar fight. World Cup bar fight. This is this is this could be a World Cup final. Yeah. You're this, getting it in the round of sixteen. The star power in this game is just beyond wild. So if you guys haven't connected the dots here, we're talking about France versus Argentina, the two most legendary <laughs> managers in the tournament. It's funny, like the, usually the main event is the last to go, but this is kicking off the round of sixteen. That's another why wow, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah, you're getting the main event, you're getting a World Cup final in the opening, opening knockout game. A powerhouse is going home. Yeah, Nick, you're you're gonna have a lot of emotional ties at this. So how how you feeling? I do, yo. So here's the thing, right? So France is my favorite national team that I have no ties to. Like I I always root for France if like Greece. Which is rarely in it anyway, let's be honest. And like USA isn't in it. That's a team that I always go to because Thierry Henry is my favorite soccer player, one of my favorite athletes of all time. With that being said, boss, you know, I am a piece of shit. I'm a degenerate. And I've made an investment on Argentina. And I was very happy at that Rojo goal because I couldn't have them. You know, if, if you're going to go out, go out to France, go out to Germany, Brazil. Don't go out in the group stages. You know, it's kind of embarrassing. So now with this game, though, man, it's like both teams have looked lackluster, let's be honest, especially when you consider they're two of the top six favorites coming into the tournament. Firepower, like you mentioned, Alan. No outcome would surprise me. Like if France came out and blew the doors off them 4 nothing, it wouldn't surprise me. If Argentina won 3 nothing, it wouldn't surprise me. It's just 
I don't know. France, I think, has faced one shot. Or this whole the whole opening yeah Peru Australia Denmark not I know, exactly yeah. underwhelming but you know also they haven't been able to put it together it's you can say the same thing we were always mentioning how their bench could win a World Cup right they have all these big names and guys that they left off but it, like is that also a bad thing you don't know who to play who meshes with the other person mm-hmm. and then you look at Argentina same shit like yo DiBala and Messi should be on the field together right. If you're doing a fantasy team, those two are probably in your top four picks in this game across the board, both sides. It's like the one guy is not going to play. So I'm very excited. I'm anxious. I'm curious to see what Sao Paulo and Deschamps is going to put out there as the 11. But, man, if you're if, if there's one game to watch in the round of 16, if you don't pick this one, I think you're crazy. Who are you picking? <sighs> Harder brain. Honestly, I'm going penalty kicks. Cop-out answer. I think it'd be very fitting if this goes to PKs. Wow. Both teams looking lackluster, and at that point, it's a crapshoot. So you would have Argentina keep Armani, second appearance against Hugo Lloris, who I think is a top-five keeper in the world. That's the thing. I would probably oh. go with France there just because Lloris, Lloris is, is the X factor there. Yeah, with 100%. Boss, how do you feel about this game? It's. I think it's wide open. Like you said, both sides have looked like They've been underwhelming through the through group stage, and I could just see like one team erupting and then just one the other collapsing. So I mean, I I don't know. I I, I don't know. It's so tough. It is. It, it it's the best. And there's so many the- question marks from both teams, and, and it's still arguably like even giving all those question marks for both teams, it's still arguably the top matchup just because of the nature of the beast. Like they're both top flight countries, and they both have you know put out top flight talent so i want to say one nothing france in regulation Ooh, regular okay i'm going france too i think it's going to be kind of convincing maybe like a 3-1 one One player we haven't talked about who's been considering one of the best forwards in the world anton griezmann at some point he's gonna have to shut this tournament and given that argentina loves casino chances doesn't take much for him to get going, and whether it's him, I think Mbappe's actually had one, one of the few players of France that they could be happy with his performances so far. We'll see with Pogba, and I just think at the end of the day, Pogba and Conte in that midfield against Argentina, what they have, it's not a good look. But well, Pogba's been like an enigma this tournament. Like, he but against been, a team like Argentina, I, he's gonna have a I lot mean, of space. Nice, a it's lot a nice space. game yeah. where you can find yourself, but will he find himself? It's a good question. It's but, definitely like the right chance to do it. But you just like I worry about Conte because in terms of running and just making tackles and intercepting passes, Conte is the king at that. Just see Mascarano trying to chase him, that would worry <laughs> the heavy from Argentina. So yeah, I, I think France is gonna put Argentina. But I think Argentina should be happy there even here at this point because it's been that bad of a tournament. So next game, arguably I would say the second most even game: Uruguay Portugal. Uruguay. Uruguay hasn't really been tested either. That that you yeah. know they came out with nine points. I kind of checked Allen out before when we were rec- sitting out watching TV in the studio. He's like, "Yo, Uruguay." I was like, "Ah," or was it you? I think it might have been no, you. No, we, we were talking a little bit. We were just talking about their defensive record. So they're the only team not to concede. That's what you said, and I yeah. was like, "Dude, let's be honest." Though they played Russia, well, Egypt, Russia, and Saudi. Yeah, Russia was high flying. I think the three win against Russia was a little impressive, given how good Russia's looked. I know competition's an issue, but Uruguay they had the experience. Like that squad, you want to talk about? It doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, 
Yeah, and and look, they're they're solid up the spine too. They they like to say from goalie to center forward, they're one of the more solid, steady teams. You know what you're getting. And look, dude, you have that two headed monster with Cavani and Suarez. Yeah, they're veteran laden too. Yeah. Like they have the experience. And let's not forget Portugal. Seconds away from being out, Diaran at the end of the game that long ball. Oh, they got hit the side netting. I mean, it's been Ronaldo heroics. He has four yeah. goals in yeah. in three games for them. And our guy Carlesma. Golasso. Well, how do you guys think this game is is going to go, though? If there's anything, uh, any game going extra time, I think it's this one. This could be a very scrappy. Well, I, forty fouls combined, five <laughs> yellow cards. Well, no, also, you were saying you're like, yo, the marquee matchup is Godin on Ronaldo and then Suarez with Pepe. Who's gonna Who's gonna get the red card first? <laughs> Especially between Suarez and Pepe. Like, you know, those guys are. It doesn't take much to get those guys rattled and and just lose their mind. These are two of the older teams because Portugal's back line is very old and Uruguay, a lot of these players, generations. So I'm going to go Uruguay one nothing extra time. Cavani, good to steal one at the end. Yeah, I see this game going 0-0 to penalties. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it's going to be like Alan said. Very, a lot of the games we played in the middle, maybe a couple chances here and there, but I see it pretty much balanced and a lot of, you know, a gritty game. Fouls left and right, but... No clear-cut chances. I think it's going to be a very tight game. 0-0 penalties. Yeah, but who's your winner? I'll go Uruguay. Okay. <laughs> Uruguay. Man, I really want I really want to see Argentina play Portugal in the, in the quarterfinals. That would be amazing. That, that would the world will explode. The world <laughs> So, I don't know if this is a hot take, but I think more people will watch that game than the final. Oh, of course. I don't think that's a hot take at all. It's the two I, I biggest guess, stars in yeah. the game. But it's like both are going to be watched by everyone. Like, I don't know how to... That's true. That's true. Yeah. Because it's the final. Yeah. Nah, yeah. I feel you. But, but the final gets eyes because it's the final. Yeah. yeah Whereas, like, a, a quarterfinal game won't get, like, as much eyes. But when you say Messi Ronaldo, they're like, oh, we're watching. That's that. literally what people are going to be saying. It's yeah. not going to be Argentina versus Portugal. It's going to be Messi versus Ronaldo. We're probably never going to see that again in the international level, yeah. these high stakes. I'm really rooting for that. Obviously, the monetary uh, value behind my Argentina investment, but also just as a fan, like this could end the Messi-Ronaldo debate. It's like, yo, look, world stage, literally the whole world watching you, repping for your country. Mm-hmm. What happened? So I'm I'm gonna go with Portugal two one over Uruguay regulation. Okay, and both players on top four. We didn't mention this, but Messi's goal against Nigeria. Golasso, yeah. Great ball, too, from Banega. How did, he Yo, con- how did he control the ball on his thigh and then weaker foot? In yeah. stride. Oh. In stride. He, like, brought it down on his thigh and just ripped. It was unbelievable. That was impressive. Yeah, so, yeah, I think that side of the bracket is probably, you yeah, have four well-known teams. It's just, so that escapes that. So that's the thing we were, we were saying about, like, with Belgium, right? I'll save it for when we get to Belgium. I don't want to give it away. But what we got next okay. over there on the menu? So Sunday, this is the upper... Back on the other side, Spain, Russia. Oh my god, dude! How much time do we have to spend on this one? Like, th- this should be a four nothing win for Spain. I agree, but do you think Russia's a threat as a home country? Like, That's what I was saying. I was like, "Yo, is Putin gonna get East Coast yeah, sent man. off at like the thirtieth minute for some wild shit?" Yeah. I will say the one concern about Spain is they've had a lot of unforced errors. Like the first goal against Morocco, the mix up between Ramos and Iniesta uh, on set pieces, they've looked a little bit off. It feels like whenever teams pressure Spain, they don't look as Organized, and I, that's why big sir. But I just don't see Russia testing them. Like this should be three nothing. I think it's a good game for Spain to get their feet back under, up under them, and it's an elimination game, so there's still pressure there in the sense that, like, yo, I know we're playing Russia, but we still have to come and bring it. So I feel like 
Um, I think Spain wins convincingly, and I think it gets them going into the, the next round, the quarterfinals. Man, the line on this game is is plus one twenty, minus one goal. I have a feeling like it will be like a one nothing sloppy, just yellow card fest, or it's a one nothing Spain eighty five. Yeah, like something, something shit. like <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Or like some shit where they dominate the whole game, and it's yeah. like Baia has a, like a Baia <laughs> situation in the Euro Cup where. Yeah. It's a game winner at the end, oh, but it should it should be dominating fashion. I'm excited too. I think Isco has been one of the stars at Tour. I want to see what he could keep doing. And big ups to Dio Costa coming back. He didn't, was on the Euro squad. I think he's been yeah, a huge, yeah. huge upgrade. For fun. sure. They needed that number nine. And when they left off uh, Morata from the squad, mm-hmm. it, it was big. Yeah, so. Two o'clock. I got it. I got it. Croatia, Denmark. Bro, my heart. <laughs> Croatia, first time in 20 years on the World Cup stage in the knockout stage. Favorable matchup, but Denmark, we know, is going to sit back. They do have one of the best attacking midfielders as well. Christian Eriksen, always dangerous. And then Kasper Schmeichel's had a very good tournament. So I think people are sleeping on Denmark a little bit. They're going to make this very gritty. And I think it's another one of those games where we're going to see possession kind of lopsided. But Croatia's not exactly a team that could break down teams that sit deep. So I think this is more close than people think. I mean, dude, Erickson, anytime he's 40 yards out of net, he's a threat to just let it rip. Yeah, he's been such a solid DraftKings play just because this guy is just, everything runs through him. But with that being said, I think that that midfield is going to keep you in games. Mm -hmm. I know it's not really saying anything outrageous with that, but Rakitic and Modric are playing at such a high level. And um, even Perisic, who I think is my favorite Croatian player. Scored a win against Iceland. Yeah, and uh, I just think that there's enough firepower there and just consistency where you know what you're going to get from that midfield. And look, they seem to control the game. I'm going Croatia 2 nothing. I think Croatia is definitely the more dominant side, but I could see, like Alan said, Denmark just packing it in in the back and then just hoping for one counter. So I could see it like 0-0 to extra time. I'll go Croatia one nothing in extra time. Oh, jeez. I, I really get Alan's heart rate. You can't do that to Alan, bro. You can't do that to Alan. Oh, extra time. Yeah, I'm going to go Croatia with nothing, but like I said, it's, it's going to be a grind. And I think one thing that's worked for Croatia, so they're going to be very well rested. They rested nine starters against Iceland, so they have about nine days. I know momentum is a little bit of a worry, but just you like at least, because a lot of those players, like you mentioned, Champions League, they're playing deep into season. Yeah, so yeah. their rest is going to be helpful. And I don't think, I think one of the other big surprises, so there was a lot of concern with the back line going to Torrent. They've only conceded one goal, and that was on a penalty. Like Their defense has been very good this Torrent, limiting Nigeria, limiting Argentina. Oh, so. my God. You know who I've liked a lot? The, who's the right back for them? Shima Vesheiko, the Oh, dude. Uh, he's he plays for nice. Alexi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's super nice. Yeah, he was going out with Sam Pauli. He, he was like having a shy match with them. But yeah, he's it's been a big step up for him because he's replacing Serna, who was the captain for mm-hmm. all these years. So between him, Lovren, who I know Liverpool fans, you either have learned to accept him or you still hate him, but he's had a great tournament. And then the Vita's another player that's been a little shaky, but he's had a great tournament. So the fact that they've only conceded one goal because Croatia is notorious for leaking in goals, I think that's a really good sign. So yeah, Croatia wins. I'm going to go one nothing, and it sets up for me, at least the most compelling quarterfinal, Croatia, Spain, hopefully, just mm. in terms of just a slug. Oh, well, let's yeah. hope. Let's hope that that's yeah, a, the semifinal. What do you got after there? Monday, we have very emotional, going to be action packed Mexico, Brazil. Boy. Poor this Mexico. This is where I'm a Mexico fan, and like you saw all those celebration videos, of like them happy about South Korea winning. But then, like, today I'm bashing my head against the wall for getting those early six points and not winning the group. 
That's pretty pathetic. Like, yo, like, yo, we we set ourselves up going into a Sweden game where we won't have to see Brazil, where everyone thought we were Brazil. We have these round of sixteen horrors. We can finally win this group. You know, who would they, they would they have played if oh, Mexico, played, Mexico would have played Switzerland? Switzerland. Oh yeah, Switzerland. It's like, dude, you signed up for that, and, and I'm sure that's what they're thinking when they see on the other side of the group that. Well, in their group, they beat the the favorite uh, Germany leg. Yeah. Like, Yo, we're gonna win fir- first place. We don't gotta play Brazil. Lo and behold, they end up playing Brazil anyway. Yeah, I do think one interesting thing about Brazil is if you want to ter- talk about teams that are kind of going through injuries, they've actually had some issues. Douglas Costa has been out. Marcelo, we don't know his status. Danilo's been hurt. So I guess they have so much that. So I don't think it matters at the end. But just the fact that Brazil. They had to shift a little bit in terms of their personnel. And I'm interested to see if Firmino will eventually start because I think Gabriel Jesus has been kind of underwhelming. So. I, uh, I, I got to be honest. I, I picked him to win the, the golden boot, top goal scorer. They look better when Firmino's in there. He just fits what they want to do mm-hmm. more. Like he's a bigger target. Look, the goal that uh, Coutinho scored against Costa Rica, Firmino actually won that header to play it back to Jesus, and then Coutinho came in for the tap-in. Yeah. So... He's very good in the air. We saw what he did with Liverpool, that three-headed monster. And then think about it. They have a three-headed monster in Brazil. If they have Firmino up top and then Neymar Coutinho opposites of him, it's pretty solid. And uh, if you're Willian Douglas Costa. Yeah, so you have all that firepower there. So, look, good run for Mexico. Um, they're going to be hating themselves that they came in, in second because, look, they had a path to maybe get to the semis if they finished in first. Golden opportunity. Golden, yeah. So, with that being said, I'm going Brazil 3-1. I'm going to go Brazil one nothing. Wow. Mexico has looked like one of the more impressive sides before that Sweden game. So I'm not going to let one performance, you know, get me so down on a team because it's new life. It's an elimination game now. It's win or go home. So we'll see what kind of passion they come out. We'll see what the mood's like after they got thrashed. Um, 3 nothing. they needed help to get in. So I don't know. We don't really know much about Mexico right now. I feel like their status is kind of up in the air, like how, you know, they're their, I guess, charisma or whatever you want to characterize it as yeah. is we don't know what they're going to come out as. If they're down right now, if they're up because they got through, we'll see. So, But I, I like Brazil to beat them. One storyline is, uh, if you remember four years ago, Ochoa had a phenomenal game against Brazil. If you remember that group stage match, I think he had like 12 saves. So I wonder if he's, they're going to need his heroics if they're going to take a bet. And I think one good matchup for Mexico is, so Brazil, they'll have a questionable at right back right now with Danilo out and Mexico's best player Chucky Loazzo who scored against Germany so maybe that's a matchup they could exploit but I gotta go Brazil 2-0 I just think there's too much talent there and then the other match other than I would say Spain Russia probably most lopsided Belgium Japan we'll talk about Belgium in the quarters (laughs) yeah (laughs) this is this is another one where it should be yet another dude with Belgium though here's the thing right let me pose this question to you guys this might be the fourth straight tune-up game for them right panama tunisia one of the reasons why i didn't i put out a a list where i said prior to the third game each team played i thought the most impressive teams i saw were mexico and croatia someone said yo what about england and panama it's like sorry what about england and belgium sorry you beat up on tunisia and panama Mm -hmm. you're supposed to i agree yeah right you know what i'm saying like you're supposed to do that so that wasn't impressive to me. Now you look at Belgium, they beat up on Tunisia, they beat up on Panama. They play a game with, with England where both sides didn't really have their 11s. Borderline friendly. Yeah, 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 and now they're playing Japan also. Like, Do you think that could be something to, to concerning going And then you're likely going to play Brazil next. Yeah, and then from, yeah exactly. From there, 
you're gonna step on the field and you're gonna see Neymar in Brazil. Like, oh yeah. shit, she just got real. So yeah. I don't know. I'm a little concerned for Belgium, man, from from that aspect at least. But they do have the firepower, yeah. just and even their depth is just crazy. Like they they had uh the the little Hazard brother, who a lot of people have said is even better than Eden Hazard, and they got they got firepower across the board, man. I do wonder about Lukaku. I know. Yeah, it's kind of precaution today, but he looked still an injury. And who knows if Vincent Company is going to be back? He came back today, I think. I think he got subbed on. Okay. I remember, yeah. Because I was in and out of sleep yeah. over there. <laughs> I got tucked in when Hamas got subbed out. My DFS line <laughs> with the shits. So yeah, who knows? But yeah, it's a good two of edge. But you're right because Belgium, they're another team that doesn't really know their best eleven because how they're playing right now with this formation. You can't go against Brazil with that. No, they're no, just, no. they're too unstable. So yeah. uh, last day. Sweden, Switzerland, the bizarre of bizarre matches. There's another game where, honestly, either team could go through and it wouldn't surprise me. No, no extra time. I think we're all over. Yeah, penalty kicks kind of thing. Yeah, I could see 0-0. Zero, zero, same as Alan said. Like 50-50 possession, nothing, just back and forth. I will say, though, I'll probably side with Switzerland just because I think they have more world-class players. Mm-hmm. Like Shaka. Uh, I like Ricardo Rodriguez, the right mm-hmm. back, and also, obviously, Shakiri. Sweden's look good though. They have, yeah, against yeah. Germany and Mexico. They looked, like I said, that first game against South Korea <laughs> was one of the worst matches of soccer I've ever seen in my life. But since then, they've looked like impressive. I mean, maybe it was just the level of competition, but after Germany, Mexico, they kind of put it together. Now, shit, who saw them finishing ahead of the? I wonder what the odds were on that of Sweden winning the group with Germany and Mexico. Oh, there, they were definitely shit. the favorites to go through. Yeah. So maybe they're just. I don't know. Maybe they can put one in. We'll and win one zero. I wouldn't count Sweden out. I'll, I'll no. actually lean Sweden. Why not? Sweden. In penalties. I'll go Switzerland one nothing. Last time they're in a knockout stage match last year was Shakiri's bicycle kick against Poland. Wow. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, Swiss won't like to remember that because Xhaka missed the penalty and I was the only miss in the shootout. So, but Switzerland has that experience in knockout stage. And I just I think Shakiri's gonna have that one big moment again. So I'm gonna go Switzerland. And then the final match, Colombia England. Man, this would have been a great, great game to watch. I still think it's going to be a sick game to watch, but Hamas is probably not going to play, and that changes the entire game for me. Uh, I think that England, despite finishing second in the group, is the winner of that group because I think their path from there, the winner of england Colombia. I'm going to side with England. I'm going to go... Uh, I'm gonna go three nothing England. Wow. I think I think Noham is out there is just gonna rattle them emotionally, and once they could see the first one, I think the floodgates are gonna open. So I'm gonna go with three nothing England. From there, they're gonna play either Switzerland or Sweden. Mm-hmm. Dude, God save the Queen. The three Lions the semifinals. Semifinals. Uh, we were talking about how they always fold under pressure, and how that that customer of yours always says, "Save your money." Yeah, I maybe know this was the year. Yeah, I know what's gonna happen, man. Sw- <laughs> England's going to play Belgium in the final. You think Belgium's going to beat Brazil? Because I lost money on Belgium in 2014, and then in 2016, I lost money on England. And just to spite me, that's going to be the final. And that's when, boss, you need a new co-host for VM. I'm going to end it all. Who you got? England, Columbia. I'm only in Columbia for the neighborhood. Ooh, Ooh. Yeah, for the great yeah. girls. Jackson Heights, you know what I'm saying? Great girls. I'm interested to see how England's backline goes. Holds up against Falcao because I think Falcao is going to come to play in this one. He's actually had a very good tournament with all things considered. But Quadrado has balled out too, man. Yeah, and England, their back line is not a lot of experience, and they're still experimenting with three in the back. So I'm still going to go England just because Colombia 
when James was out, they just did not. Like, they're going to have to score either on a set piece or some magic from Cuadrado or Falcao because against Senegal, they did not create much. They looked pretty ponderous on the ball. So I'm going to go England. Um, Raheem Sterling going to show up the critics. He's going to have his moment. I've been waiting for Stone to do it. He's come off a very good season. I think this is going to be his time. There you have it, guys. Around the 16. If you have to pick one game that you have to watch, you can only watch one game real quick. The first one. The first one, right? It's unanimous. All right. Good, good. We're all on the same page. (laughs) Guys, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of VMFC. We had a lot to cover. Uh, Boss, actually, Alan, where can they find you as our special guest? Alan underscore Stirk. That's A-double-L-E-N underscore S-T-R-K. Uh, and DeVito 27 on Twitter and the gram and look out for me on, on Nick's Twitch stream the Ooh. lamb show he started uh, integrating FIFA into that and yeah I'm just letting you know world class striker world class anywhere you see me on the pitch in FIFA <laughs> yo no lie and it's an open invite to any clubs out there who want to play us yo no lie we got mad love on that FIFA stream and in particular you got mad love they were like yo something else is nice cause then they, all, they also caught us on the stream when we weren't playing and it was nighty night Shout out to my son, Ralph, though. (laughs) You can find me at The Lamb Show on Twitter, Instagram, and like Boss mentioned, twitch.tv slash The Lamb Show. At Veterans Minimum is the Twitter handle for the show. Give us some feedback on this episode and all episodes. At San Agato Studio is the hub where all the podcasts and YouTube stuff comes out of. Thank you guys for listening. Enjoy the round of 16, and we'll catch you for the quarterfinals of the 2018 FIFA World Cup, brother. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.